Welcome to Coronavirus and Sports. This is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Today, the new kid in town, the XFL. We'll be talking to three-time Super Bowl champion and former Dallas Cowboys fullback Daryl Moose Johnston, who currently serves as director of player personnel with XFL team Dallas Renegades. We'll break down how this new league, who was generating so much initial interest when it kicked off in early February, had to cope as it cancelled its season last March. When Vince McMahon's XFL kicked off on February 8th, a week after the end of the NFL season, the hype was met with excitement and, most importantly, a rating success. More than 3 million watched in average the kickoff game between Seattle Dragons and DC Defenders, and every home game had an attendance over 17,000 fans. The numbers did drop, but it still performed relatively well compared to other sports and shows on television. This meant that there was an opportunity for this league to build on what it had learned after a month of action, and hopefully strengthen its popularity. But then, the pandemic arrived, and teams, players, coaches, and anyone who was involved in the XFL had to adjust. The question would then change from, how can we grow as a league, to how can we stay alive and make sure we pick up from where we left off. Joining us now is Daryl Moose Johnston, a former Pro Bowl fullback for the Dallas Cowboys, a three-time Super Bowl champion. But most importantly for this conversation, he's the director of player personnel with the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. Uh, Daryl, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Daryl, let's get straight to it. How did the XFL initially react to the pandemic and what protocols did it implement once it all kicked off? Well, I, I think really what we did with the XFL is we kind of followed suit to what was happening around the sports world. Um, you know, at that time, we were approaching um, opening day for baseball. Uh, they had started uh, discussions, and, and I think right at the point that we decided to make our decision in the XFL, baseball pushed back opening day at least two weeks at that point um, with discussions to continue to see when they would be able to start the regular season. Uh, March Madness uh, was suspended at that time. Uh, conversations about the Masters uh, started to happen. It, it was not suspended or postponed at that time, uh, but uh, just about a week later, uh, that, that happened as well. Uh, the NHL, the NBA, uh, as all your major sports franchises and leagues started to make this, this very challenging decision, um, I think the XFL just dropped right in behind them and followed suit. So uh, I, I thought they did an outstanding job. There was always uh, a, a lot of transparency, um, you know, from, from the top of the XFL down to the eight teams. Uh, as soon as the coronavirus became a, a big topic of conversation here in the United States, um, there were daily updates. Um, they kept everybody in the loop. So I, I think that their transparency, their decision-making uh, was really outstanding during that process. There wasn't really a whole lot of questions that we had. And if we did have anything, uh, it was very easy for us to, to reach out and, and get connected with a person who was going to be able to provide that answer for us. Daryl, specifically with the Dallas Renegades, obviously you focus so much on player personnel, but how did the team yeah. react specifically uh, once the XFL decided to act? It was a really tough day. Um, you know, there was a lot of mixed emotions. Um, you know, we just had probably played 
you know, one of our worst games of the season. And, and there's nothing worse than, than having that last, you know, during the course of the preparation week as you're getting ready for the next game and, and trying to get that taste out of your mouth. And, you know, we've got to sit on that last game now for the entire offseason. So I, I think a lot of the guys were disappointed uh, that they weren't going to have an opportunity, uh, you know, to go out and get back on the, on the right track. Um, you know, just the fact that it, it, it had been done so well up until that point, um, I think a lot of the guys were impressed uh, by how everything had handled from start to that point, um, you know, through the showcases back in the summertime, uh, into mini camps and the draft process through the fall into training camp at the start of the new year. And then as the season got underway, uh, a lot of the guys were really excited, uh, you know, to be a part of the XFL. So when, when that ended, uh, there was disappointment, but there was also, which I think we're still seeing to this day, is, you know, a lot of people giving up individual liberties, individual freedoms for the betterment of the community. Uh, and, and I think once they really sat back and reflected a little bit, they understood uh, the big picture. You know, the most important thing, uh, as we've heard over and over again, is to flatten that curve, make sure we're doing everything we possibly can uh, to, to end this virus and get back to life as normal here in the United States. The XFL was really growing, both in audience and popularity. Um, are you concerned that the halt takes you essentially back to square one, or are you confident of the league's uh, and your team's resilience? Do you think that this is hopefully just going to be a V effect, essentially, and, and the XFL will come back stronger? Oh, without a doubt. And that was one of the things that uh, that was was sent to all the teams, uh, you know, from Vince McMahon, from Oliver Luck, uh, from, from everybody uh, in Connecticut to let us know that, hey, this is just because of this unusual situation, this unprecedented situation that's happening right now in our country and the way it's impacting um, you know, not just the sports world, but our everyday lives. So we want you to know that we, we were already planning for 2021. So that was one of the big messages they wanted to get across to us. And I think we've seen that, uh, you know, just as, as our guys start to get an opportunity to go back to the NFL. Um, you know, P.J. Walker, Cam Phillips out of Houston. Uh, you know, here in Dallas, we've had Donald Parham go to the Chargers and, and Christian Kuntz, our long snapper, go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, I think we're, we're now past 10 guys from the XFL who have gotten invitations to come uh, to NFL camps and, and, and OTAs uh, if they ever get started. Um, so I think that, that that bodes well for the future. That, that's our whole prime objective. Our, you know, let, let's get these guys another opportunity to compete for you know, that dream of playing in the NFL. Yeah, that chain between the XFL and the NFL obviously being a priority for everybody involved. As director of player personnel who focuses so much on development, nurturing, um, identifying, so to speak, what's your immediate priority right now? Really an assessment of, of how things went last year. Um, and then we're still waiting, you know, d during this process as, as we move into year two. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we're having uh, as an ongoing discussion right now with, with all eight franchises and, and with Oliver Luck and, and Doug Whaley and, uh, and Vince McMahon is how many players do we get to keep from last year? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of the teams, you know, they, they've pushed, they want to keep their whole, entire roster. Um, you know, I, I actually submitted a fact that let, let's try to create, you know, kind of like our own free agency type period where, you know, we, we protect the key core group uh, of our team, but also we expose some of those other players uh, for the potential to maybe go to another franchise, uh, you know, in the offseason. 
we can't do it via salary. We can't do it, uh, you know, trying to lure anybody, you know, based on, on monetary value. Uh, it would become more like a recruiting process that you see in the collegiate level. So uh, I think it would be another fun element for us to have uh, is seeing the strategy uh, that uh, the eight franchises use to protect the players, but then also to evaluate and, and bring in other players from those other seven franchises to become a part of your team. So and a little bit of a holding pattern right now to see how that's going to work out. But uh, I think everybody's excited, um, you know, just to uh, to see what that next step is going to be as we start to get ready for for next year. So um, we're assessing, you know, our roster as it sits, as it sits right now. Uh, we're starting to get the calendar uh, for 2020 and then 2021. Uh, we'll have showcases through the summer like we did last year. Um, we'll get into the draft process. And, and, you know, the league has been great about asking all the individual franchises, you know, for their input uh, and, and how can we get better in some of the things we did in year one. Uh, so I'm excited to see what the calendar looks like as we move through the summer and into the fall and start to get ready for season two, because I, I do think that there were some things that happened last year in year one uh, that we could definitely improve on uh, and make those better in year two. You've mentioned part of it, but do you think this becomes a, a major, bigger obstacle now because of the pandemic and, and how, how blurry or evident is the calendar right now? How much more work do you guys have to do in order to prepare for that? Uh, well, as you said, you know, it, a, lot of it, uh, a lot of it rests with, uh, with the coronavirus. Um, you know, we, we continue to push dates back. So I'm one of those people, I'm not going to try and predict what's going to happen moving forward. Uh, you know, things that are out of my control, just adjust to everything day by day. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of uh, the, the situation we're in right now. So that's my approach uh, as, as we're getting into this. Um, if we have to adjust through the course of the summer, if we have to adjust into the fall, then, then we'll do that when we get there. But um, it, it's good right now just to have that dialogue starting about year two, about the calendar. So when there are concerns, uh, you know, because of what happened with the Alliance of American Football, uh, you know, two years ago, um, and, and the questions about, you know, what, what's going to happen with the XFL, it's good for us to be able to reassure our staff, uh, our players, uh, you know, everybody that was a part of the Dallas Renegades that, hey, we are moving ahead uh, with, with year two, uh, you know, clearly in our sights. And it, the ability to be able to talk to them about the calendar that, that the people at the league level are, are already focusing on, on what we can do better for year two. So those are all huge positives as we go through these uncertain times. Daryl, finally, obviously you're an executive, you're a former player, uh, you know both leagues uh, so well. How has it been for you? in the community, in Dallas, uh, with this pandemic? And, and how do you think you guys have been reacting and just believing in yourselves you know, during this time? How has it been for you personally, uh, not just professionally? Boy, it's, it's, it's been difficult. Um, you know, it, there's been so much change here just in the last, uh, probably the last three weeks um, as, as we've really started to kind of be able to look at the numbers, uh, have the... Uh, the medical personnel have the scientists, uh, you know, start to be able to evaluate this a little bit more accurately. Um, so here in the state of Texas, you know, when we first started out, um, you know, Governor Abbott did not want to put a statewide sheltering policy in place because there were a lot of counties here in the state of Texas that didn't even have a case of coronavirus within their borders. We started off in Texas kind of with local government being the decision makers and how they were going to handle policies uh, within their counties. And Dallas County was actually one of the first counties that went to sheltering. 
now Governor Abbott has come out and, and really kind of taken it statewide because we're starting to see, uh, you know, how quickly this can spread and how important it is to get this under control. So we, uh, we pushed school back all the way to Sunday, May 3rd, hoping to start school Monday, May 4th, statewide. Uh, and, and that's something that has moved from, from April 6th to April 13th to April 30th, now to May 4th. So, uh, you know, we're continuing to push things back. So it, it, it has been challenging. Uh, you know, personally, you just you, you start to lose touch, um, you know, and that's one of the great things about the game of football is the camaraderie. You know, that, that's probably one of the things I miss most about being a player is the camaraderie in the locker room. You know, I, I thought we had a really good group of guys, uh, and, and that probably makes it a little bit harder. You, you miss being around them uh, because they were such good guys. So, uh, you know, we didn't have an opportunity. We were winless at home. Uh, so I know the guys are disappointed in that. So, we, you know, we wanted to get a victory here in Dallas. We had good attendance numbers. I think we're all excited to see, you know, what the response and what the reaction will be from the fans next year. As you pointed out, uh, there was a lot of momentum that had been built. Uh, you know, attendance was was very good around the league. Uh, you know, teams were, were kind of hitting their stride. They were finding out who they were. You know, everybody was searching for those identities as uh, as we started the season in the early part of the year. And, and I think a lot of the teams were really starting to, to find those identities and, and become really good teams. And, and it was going to be exciting down the stretch. And, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate thing. So uh, I, I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, what are those numbers going to be? Are we going to be able to get more people than we had uh, in our home opener this year? So uh, I, I think we'll have a good feel. I think we will. I, I really do. I think, you know, the guys that we sent to the NFL, I think they're going to, there's going to be a few guys that, that are able to get onto a 53-man roster and, 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 and secure a spot, uh, maybe be on the practice squad. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that generates excitement for the fan base. Uh, and, and then as we circle around next year and get ready to play, uh, you know, I, I expect to see opening day with better numbers than we had in year one. I love the optimism. Here's to a brighter day. Daryl Moose Johnston, former Pro Bowl star, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Dallas Cowboys, and now the director of player personnel with the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. Daryl Johnston, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Hey, stay safe, stay healthy. Since my conversation with Daryl Johnston, the XFL suspended its day-to-day -day operations effective immediately, where all league employees and their contracts have been terminated, per multiple reports. The statement was made by league president and chief operating officer Jeffrey Pollock. Thanks to Daryl Moose Johnston for joining me today. We'll continue bringing you these stories throughout the coronavirus crisis. If you like what we're doing, please recommend us to a friend or family member and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. You can listen to Coronavirus and Sports for free wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe or follow us for the latest episodes. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.